Hello, hello. I'm Jessica, and this is the How I Met Myself podcast, a show where we talk about the journey of self-discovery and finding your purpose in life. After years of feeling stuck, I finally found clarity around my purpose. Now, I'm going after my dream, sharing my story here, and bringing you conversations with healers and spiritual teachers to help inspire and guide you to your purpose. Join me and start building the life you're meant to live. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the How I Met Myself podcast. I'm so thrilled that you're here with me today and thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been listening for a little while, thank you so much for continuing to join me. It really is an honor to get to spend this time with you and share my life, my learnings, things that I'm going through with all of you, and also the interviews. I have absolutely loved all of the conversations that I've had so far, and I'm looking forward to more guests coming on in the future. But today, it's actually going to be a solo episode, and I recently returned from a trip. I went to a place called Sivana, which is a wellness resort that is located in Carefree, Arizona. Yes, there's actually a place literally called Carefree, and it's it's a really special place about 45 minutes north of Phoenix. And I mean, the street names there are actually like Dream Street, Tranquil Terrace. Um, it, it is just everything about the place is really meant to just kind of put you into that carefree state. And um, it's no surprise that a wellness spa retreat would choose to have its location there. So basically this hotel, it's, it's really stunning and they offer tons of classes. I mean, literally every hour of the day you can find multiple classes going on and it's everything from yoga to exercise classes like cycling, dance, bar, meditation. They have journaling, they had classes in human design and numerology. There were just so many different opportunities to try new things, to learn, and really take the time to reflect. So it was a special, special time, and we spent just four days there, and I probably did, I would say, like four classes per day. And honestly, I thought that was going to be too much. I was worried that I had overscheduled myself, but it still allowed for a lot of downtime and relaxation. And, you know, I actually booked this a long time ago. And when it was approaching, I was feeling like I was in a really good place and kind of wished it had come at a time when I needed it more. You know, like when you're feeling stressed and you have a vacation approaching, it's like, oh, yes, I this could not have come at a better time. Well, in this case, it was kind of the opposite. I was feeling really good and sort of in a, a groove. I had hit, you know, had some momentum with the podcast and was really excited to kind of just work and not really step out of my day-to-day life. But then the eclipse happened, and this is the solar eclipse that took place on April 20th, and I started feeling that eclipse energy really hit me in the two days before we left for the trip. And all of a sudden, I felt like I really, really needed it. So thank you, universe, I guess, for knocking me down just in time. But what actually happened was my son awoke in the middle of the night, two nights before we left, and I went to go check on him. And he basically kicked me out of his room. And, you know, he does this from time to time. He'll he'll kick me out. And usually, though, I can, I can get him to calm down. But in this case, he just, he was demanding that my husband come in instead of me. 
And like I said, normally if this happens, I just remain really calm and I push through that rejection with love because at the end of the day, you know, he's not even four years old. It's the middle of the night and he was tired, he's cranky, and there's not a whole lot of logic that goes into these interactions. So I just push through with love and usually he calms down. But for whatever reason on this night, he did not. He just wanted my husband. And so my husband actually heard all the commotion because he was kicking and screaming. And so he came in and he comforted him. And then he said, okay, mommy's going to sing a song to you and tuck you back in and I'll see you in the morning. So he left and I attempted to do just that. I, I tried to sing to him and tuck him back in, but he just didn't want me. He refused. He was still kicking and screaming. And I tried a few different approaches to get him to calm down, but eventually he was literally kicking me and pushing me out of his room. So I just said, okay, it seems like you want some space. So I'm going to go back to my room now and call me if you need me. And he went back to sleep, but I did not. Even though stuff like this happens all the time, I was really affected by it this time. I was sad. I, you know, I want to be there for him. I'm his mom. I want to comfort him. I want to be nurturing and make him feel better in the middle of the night when he wakes up. And I was just so frustrated with myself that I couldn't be that for him. And that even though I stayed calm and I didn't get upset, it didn't matter. He just didn't want me in that moment. And that happens sometimes in motherhood. This child that you care so much for, who you carried in your womb and you birthed, he will reject you sometimes. It's, it's a real trip, honestly. It's something that I was not really prepared for in motherhood. And Although logically I understand that sometimes these things happen, I couldn't help but feel shame and guilt that maybe I did something wrong and that I've caused him to reject me. I literally didn't sleep the rest of that night and I was in a pretty bad place the next day. I just felt inadequate as a mom and I felt like I had really screwed up it felt irreversible like I was never going to be able to have the kind of relationship with him that I want to have it really messed with me I felt completely dysregulated my nervous system was going bananas I was exhausted and just not in a clear mental state. And then this trip was coming. And so I went into the trip in a pretty bad place. And this was very much on my mind. In fact, I actually almost canceled last minute because I felt so guilty that I didn't want to leave him. I wanted to get things back on track right away. But I didn't end up canceling. And of course, what ended up happening was because I got the space to really examine my relationship with him, my relationship with myself as a mom, I gained so much clarity and ultimately could come back from the trip in a better place to get things on track in the relationship. I share this for two reasons. One, because it's a good reminder that although our inclination is to want to put on our problem-solving hat right away, sometimes it's better to take a pause and put a little distance between yourself and the problem before trying to fix it. It's important to let our nervous systems return to homeostasis and clear our minds before so we can approach the problem from a more grounded place. In the day following that incident with my son, I was in a very self-critical state. 
I couldn't see the situation for what it was because I was simply too close to it. I needed to get some space before I could really come back with the right mindset to work on the relationship. The second reason I bring this up is because it led me to reflect on the concept of self-trust while I was on my trip at Savannah. And that's what I want to talk about on the podcast today. What do I mean by self-trust? It's the opposite of self-doubt. It's being able to really trust in myself that I am a good mom, that I am nurturing and can be a warm, calming presence for my kids. Trusting in myself that I have built strong grounding practices that help me regulate my nervous system in times of stress, and that I'm able to exercise self-control in those triggering moments. Not 100% of the time, because I'm not striving for perfection, but enough of the time that I feel like I have control of my stress response. And it's also trusting in myself that I can do hard things, that I'm capable. With self-trust comes alignment, and with alignment comes self-confidence. That's the path. You start by building self-trust. When you trust in yourself, you act in alignment through your choices, your words, your thoughts. And that's when you become a master of co-creation. You recognize that everything that's happening is a result of your actions, your words, your thoughts. And because those are coming from a place of self-trust, the universe responds with your desires that are likewise in alignment. And when you receive and you're living the life you desire, a life built on the foundation of trust in yourself, you exude confidence and it continues to propel you forward. So today I want to talk about how to build self-trust. How do you get to a place where you really trust yourself, where you eliminate self-doubt, where you believe in yourself? I'm going to share with you several things you can do in your life right now to build that self-trust muscle. Before I do, I want to share a framework for how to think about self-trust. There's a famous Einstein quote that says, everything is energy. And that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want, and you cannot help but get that reality. Just take a moment to think about that quote. What it means is that everything we desire has a frequency set point, and we have the ability to match that frequency in order to bring about all that we desire. In other words, The frequency in which we spend our time affects our reality. So today, let's think about self-trust as energy. When we hook into the frequency of self-trust, which has a high vibrational frequency, we become an energetic match for the reality that we desire. And you can apply this principle to any emotion because they all have vibrational frequencies. Gratitude, for example, has an extremely high frequency. Self-doubt has a very low vibrational frequency, which is why if you spend a lot of time in self-doubt, you will attract a reality that is undesirable. But by taking certain actions, we can change our frequency, shifting from an energy of self-doubt to one of self-trust. And in turn, we raise our own vibration, which allows us to attract the things that we desire in our lives. When you start to think about emotion as energy with a corresponding frequency, I found that it's easier to see how we have the power to shift our emotions and therefore our realities. So with that framework in mind, I'm going to share several ways that you can build self-trust and hook into that high vibrational frequency 
of believing in yourself. The first thing is do hard things. When you do something hard and you achieve it, you raise your vibration. You feel accomplished and you show yourself that you trust yourself to do something really challenging. Whether that's running a marathon or earning a certification in something, passing a test you've been studying for, these all elicit that feeling of accomplishment. For me, as I reflected back on my life, there are a couple of examples that really stick out for me as like really hard things that I've done in my life. The first one was a hike that I did in New Zealand several years ago. It's a famous hike. I think it's called the Tongariro Pass, and it's on the North Island of New Zealand. Maybe some of you have been there and done this hike. And it's a really beautiful hike that is roughly the equivalent in distance to a half marathon. I think it's about 13 miles. And I had never done anything like this before. I would go on hikes occasionally, and um, but I think, you know, the most I maybe hiked was like six miles or maybe an occasional nine mile hike, but not some, this was not something I was doing all the time. And so when we were planning this trip to New Zealand, I had come across this hike and it just looked absolutely stunning. And it just felt like something I really wanted to do when I was there. I felt like, okay, I don't know when the next time is that I'll be back in New Zealand. So I'm going to take this opportunity to do this hike. And I did a little bit of hiking leading up to the trip to kind of train, so to speak, but nothing too crazy. It wasn't like I was training for a marathon. And when we got to New Zealand, we were going to be in the part of New Zealand where this hike is located for just two or three days. And we had planned a specific day on which to do this hike, I think the second day that we were there. And we were going with a guide because it is a pretty treacherous hike at at parts. And we just thought it would be better to go with somebody who had a lot of experience on the trail and could also share information about what we were seeing and, and the area in which we were hiking. So when it came time to do the hike, we woke up early that morning and it was a torrential downpour and it was unseasonably rainy actually and so we weren't super prepared for this weather and I remember that morning the guide called us at our hotel and he said are you sure you want to go it's very rainy today and the conditions on the mountain are not going to be great it's probably going to be very low visibility it's going to be very slippery wet uh very unpleasant and, you know, he was willing to do it, but he said it wasn't going to be the best day to do it. But it was really our only day to do it. And it was something we had both been looking forward to. And I just, I kind of said, you know, I know it's going to be hard and less than ideal conditions, but I want to do it. And so he's the, we all we had was raincoats. We didn't have a lot of other gear with us. The guide offered me some rain pants, but he didn't have two extra pairs, one for my husband. So my husband was going to go without rain pants. And we just kind of went for it. And as we were driving over, the guide actually got a call saying that they were essentially closing the trail. And it was kind of like a proceed at your own risk sort of a um, situation. And they had actually shut down the buses that were running, that normally run to between the the start and the ending of the trail because they were trying to limit the people that were going to go. And so once again, he said, are you sure you want to go? And at this point, we had already driven about an hour to get there. And I was just, I was doing it no matter what. And my husband 
I think, uh, just kind of looked at me and said, he'll defer to me. If I want to do it, he'll do it. And if I don't, then he's also fine to just, just go back to the hotel. But we, we just decided to go for it. And it was insane. Honestly, it was absolutely pouring the entire time. The hike took us about six hours and we had absolutely no break in the rain and the trail was very slippery. We did have poles, which helped, but it was it was certainly a, a little bit of a risky situation as we were going up this mountain. And I remember when we got to the top, it was just so windy. I mean, we have photos from from the top and it's just like you could just see our rain jackets just getting blown in the wind and it's like we can barely stand up we stopped one time for lunch and we huddled down under a rock that we had found to try to shield ourselves from the rain while we ate as quickly as possible and otherwise it was just one foot in front of the other the entire six hours and I mean, we were soaked to the bone, even with the rain pants and the rain jackets. We were just completely drenched, just like all the way through all of our clothes. But oh my goodness, the feeling that I felt after completing this hike, it was unbelievable. I mean, I just, number one, I didn't think I could do it under the best of circumstances, but here... I had done it in a torrential downpour on a day when they literally were closing the trail. I mean, it really it it really felt like a big accomplishment. And so I I just had this incredible high. I mean, I really felt that high vibration of being able to trust in yourself and knowing that you can do something hard. And so that that example just really, really sticks out for me. And it's interesting because on the same trip, on our next stop, we went to the South Island and I had not planned to skydive while I was on this trip. I always said I would never skydive. I'm it's just not something I had ever wanted to do but we were sitting in our the restaurant of our hotel um, and there was a family sitting next to us and they were talking about how they had just gone skydiving and the family had you know kids who were I don't even think they were teenagers and they had gone skydiving and I kind of looked at my husband and I said, maybe we should go skydiving. And he had done it once before. And he sort of felt like that was something he had checked off his bucket list and didn't really need to do it again. But he said if I wanted to do it, that he would he would do it again. And I think I was just on such a high from the hike I was really riding that vibrational frequency of accomplishment. And that is what really propelled me to do yet another thing that would elevate that frequency even further. And so I signed up to do skydiving and it was it was something I, I can't say that I ever want to do it again. But in the same vein of the hike, it's I had an incredible feeling of accomplishment afterwards because it was absolutely terrifying. I was so nervous, so scared going up in the plane. And of course, that moment right before you literally jump out of the plane, you just you sort of think, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing? And, you know, then you go for it. And it's it's quite an experience it's unlike anything you'll ever do and you know when you land and and you sort of come back to planet earth literally 
you do, you get this incredible feeling of accomplishment. And of course, there's the adrenaline rush. And I think really what that is, is it's that vibrational frequency that you're tapping into because you know you've just done something incredibly challenging and you get that sense of accomplishment and really that knowing that you can trust yourself because you can do hard things. So when I was at Savannah, there was this one class that was called aqua therapy and what it was was the hot and cold therapy maybe you guys have heard of this where you spend time going back and forth between a hot tub and a cold tub so you do a cold water plunge and you're in there for three minutes and it's very cold water i think it was around 50 degrees and then You go to the hot tub for six minutes, back to the cold for three, back to the hot for six, and then you finish for a third round in the cold pool for another three minutes. And then you get out and you allow your body temperature to come back to its normal temperature after that. And it has all these incredible health benefits It improves circulation, it can help with muscle recovery, it can aid in weight loss, it can help reduce pain, and it also helps boost your immune system because it helps with white blood cell generation. And just really overall, I think it helps with your, uh, the regeneration of new cells. And so when we were at Savannah, there was this class where you could participate and do this kind of cold, hot and cold therapy. And we decided to sign up. I had heard that it was one of the most popular classes and we actually got in off the wait list. And you start, it's first thing in the morning at like 7.30 and It takes place at the spa and you meet in the sauna. And so you start off in the sauna to kind of warm up your body. And while you're in there, you're with an instructor and he essentially tells you, you know, what you're going to do, how long you're going to spend in each one of these pools. And then he also asked us, you know, if we had had any experience doing this and also like, you know, what maybe our hesitations were going into it. And... I there was there was a two women in the class who were traveling together and one of them I could tell she didn't really want to be doing this class but I think she was obliging her friend and so she decided to to go and she was saying that she was really nervous because she says she does anything she can to avoid discomfort. And she was like, you know, I'm not really sure how I'm going to get through this. I I don't deal well with discomfort. And the instructor advised her and all of us that really the key to getting through it is breath and to really use your breath to just breathe through it. And when you first get into the cold pool, it is, I mean, you feel just this instant sort of pain and you do you have to really breathe through it and I mean he actually drew the analogy to what it's like for a woman to be in labor and of course he's a man so he hasn't actually done it but he said his wife actually is the one that that made that analogy and I I mean I can see it I I it's it is a really, really challenging thing. You have to breathe through it. And it does. After, you know, that first minute passes, you do start to get to a place where you can kind of calm down and uh, ease into it a bit more. So this woman who had said this after after we completed, everyone in the group completed it, by the way. There were, I think, nine of us that did it. And not a single person got out of the pool early. And afterwards, everyone was sort of sharing their experience. And she said to herself, by the way, during 
while we were in there, you were kind of looking around to see how everybody else is handling it. And she was by far the most calm person. She was breathing, but pretty calmly at a sort of, you know, consistent pace. Whereas, you know, I was really having to breathe through it like big exhales. And yeah, she was just super calm the whole time. And it was so interesting because she was the person at the beginning who had said she was the most nervous. And afterwards, she said, when we were all reflecting on our experience, she said, you know, I guess actually I do a lot of uncomfortable things all the time. And I didn't realize that I actually am good at getting through discomfort. And I really thought a lot about this afterwards because I think that so often we actually do not give ourselves enough credit for the hard things that we do do or we just overlook them. We dismiss them. We don't think they're that hard. But, you know, in her case, she's she's human. Of course she's done many uncomfortable things. We're all doing uncomfortable things all of the time. And so if you dismiss them, you don't get the benefit of the elevation of frequency. So your homework is not only to do hard things, but to make sure you are taking note of them when you do do them. In fact, I would love for everyone to make a list of the hard things you've done recently. It doesn't have to be something big, like my hike in New Zealand or skydiving. Like I said, we all do lots of hard things all the time. If it takes you out of your comfort zone, you should consider it hard. So make sure you're giving yourself credit where credit's due. I'll give you some examples of hard things that you might overlook. Reaching out to somebody new to try to build a friendship. Doing something for the first time. Ending a friendship that isn't serving you anymore. Dig deep so that you don't overlook or dismiss the hard things you have done. Feel the feeling of accomplishment from the things on your list. And keep adding to the list. Every time you do something hard, take a moment to honor it, celebrate the accomplishment, and really feel into that feeling of accomplishment. Even if you didn't enjoy it, focus on what you learned, because we always learn something when we do something hard. We learn from trying new things, and when we learn something, it removes a little bit of the insecurity and reinforces the trust in yourself that you can do hard things. And that is how you hook into the vibrational frequency of self-trust. The second way to increase your self-trust is to get really good at noticing when you are going in the direction of self-doubt. It's observation without judgment. Try to separate yourself from your ego Almost think of yourself as a distinct person, like a scientist who is there to observe and record what's happening. When feelings of self-doubt come up, take a pause and label them. Say, I'm experiencing feelings of self-doubt. Then investigate what triggered the feeling. It might be coming from a past experience. Almost certainly it is. And it's important to note the origin of the feeling and the path you took to get to that place of self-doubt. If you're really clear on what triggered the emotion, you can change the programming that led you to self-doubt. For example, let's say I'm considering asking a new friend to go to lunch with me. I'm about to send the text, but then I start to get that feeling of self-doubt. I start running all of the past programming. What if this friend isn't available and says no? What if she thinks it's weird that I'm asking her to lunch? Would coffee be a better first friend date? I say I am experiencing self-doubt. Then 
I get curious about where this is coming from. Maybe I had an experience a long time ago, even in adolescence maybe, where I experienced rejection and this is causing me to feel self-doubt. This is just programming that I wrote way back whenever this happened, but now I have an opportunity to edit it, to change the programming. Instead, I can say, I'm excited about getting to know this person. I trust that my instinct and desire to ask her to go to lunch is a great way to establish a new connection. My role in this is to ask her to lunch. If she's unable to go, that's not on me. And I still trust in my action to extend the invitation regardless of the outcome. Now I'm shifting into the frequency of self-trust. And when you approach an interaction, whether it's a social or a professional one, from the frequency of self-trust, that gets transmitted to the other person and it directly affects how they receive you. It's very subconscious, but the other person will be able to detect the frequency from which you are operating and that impacts how they respond to you. You're sending a signal that you are vibrating at the frequency of self-trust and they will meet you there. They will be more likely to accept your invitation when you approach the interaction from a place of self-trust. This is the Einstein quote in action. Another technique that helps us shift from self-doubt to self-trust is learning to regulate our nervous system. When our nervous system is dysregulated, things can feel chaotic and kind of out of control. We get into a state of fight or flight. Our judgment is compromised and we're not operating from a place of stability and trust in ourselves. We're actually acting in a way that decreases self-trust. Maybe we say something we regret and then this can lead to that negative self-talk. I don't handle stress well. I can't be trusted in high-pressure situations. I don't have control over my own reactions. These thoughts drive us to self-doubt. So if we learn to regulate our nervous systems, then we can act from a more stable, resourced place. And when we get good at responding to difficult situations, we show ourselves that we can be trusted, that we are in control, and we trust ourselves to respond appropriately. There are many methods to help regulate the nervous system. We've talked a lot about these already on the podcast. Breath work, rubbing fingertips together. These are things you can do in the moment. And then there are also the practices that provide support more generally to the nervous system. And those would be things like meditation, taking baths, belly massage, aromatherapy, exercise, as well as healing modalities like marma, which I interviewed a marma practitioner in episode seven, and then of course, acupuncture. All of these can really help support the nervous system. Also, the cold therapy that I mentioned earlier is really a practice of training the nervous system because you're shocking the system with the hot and cold water and you're forcing your body to come back to normal temperature after you get out of the water at the end. And this process sends a signal to your brain and your nervous system that it needs to assimilate and return to homeostasis after the shock. Plus, your coping mechanism while you're actually in the cold water is breath work, which is also training your body to breathe through these situations and really enable the parasympathetic nervous system to kick in to get you out of that fight or flight state. And you don't need to do this at a spa. You can actually just do this in your own home in the shower. You can start with some, a hot shower and then move to cold. And ideally you build up to somewhere between three and five minutes in the cold water and then You just get out of the shower and allow your body to come back to normal temperature on its own. 
So it's definitely something worth trying at home as well. I'm also a big fan of yin yoga. I actually did a teacher training in yin yoga, and it's a very gentle practice where you hold restorative poses for three to five minutes, and it's really nourishing to the parasympathetic nervous system. All of these will help you strengthen the nervous system so that when you are faced with threats or something triggering happens, you have the resources to manage your response. And through this, you will build your self-trust. The last thing I want to talk about that can help you tune to that self-trust frequency is focusing on opening and supporting your solar plexus chakra. If you're not familiar with the chakra system, these are energy centers that run throughout the body. There are seven main chakras that align along the spine, starting from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. And these swirling wheels of energy correspond to massive nervous nerve centers in the body. Each chakra holds beliefs, emotions, and memories related to specific areas of your life. For example, the first chakra, which is the root chakra, relates to stability and security, our basic needs. And when this chakra is open, we feel safe and secure. The third chakra is the solar plexus chakra. It extends from the navel to the breastbone, and it is our source of personal power. Personal power originates from self-trust. If you experience a lot of self-doubt, this chakra is likely blocked and needs to be opened. Over time, if a chakra is continually blocked, it can result in dis-ease in that area of the body and can also cause health issues. In the case of the solar plexus chakra, dis-ease could occur in the liver, the gallbladder, stomach, pancreas, small intestine, and the adrenals. We can work to promote health in this area of the body with some practices that are focused on this particular chakra. First, there are several yoga poses that target this area. For example, bow pose, boat pose, mountain pose, warrior pose, as well as seated spinal twist. And if you're interested in trying any of these at home, You can Google these. They're very simple yoga poses that you can do just lying on the floor or standing up, uh, depending on the pose. You can also use affirmations to reprogram your beliefs around self-trust. You can say, I am enough. I trust myself. I know who I am and live true to myself. I am confident and capable. Any of these affirmations will really help you reprogram your beliefs around self-trust and really build that personal power. You can say these while you're meditating, while you're lying in bed, while you're getting ready for the day in the morning, really any time. And the more you say them, the more they will start to just get infused throughout your body. The other thing you can do is just specific meditations that are focused on the solar plexus, and these are readily available on any of the meditation apps like Insight Timer, which I love, or also Spotify and YouTube. There's one last strategy that I want to talk about today that will help you build your self-trust. And this one is called solfeggio frequencies. Say what? Solfeggio frequencies are a set of nine electromagnetic tones that form the basis of many ancient sacred music traditions dating back as far as the 8th century, such as the Gregorian chants and Indian Sanskrit chants. At the heart of solfeggio frequencies is the belief that the vibrational signature of certain sounds ranging from 174 hertz to 963 hertz can positively impact our mental, physical, and spiritual health. 
Each of the chakras has a corresponding solfeggio frequency, and you can listen to the frequencies as a way to tune your body, mind, and spirit to the frequency of that chakra. In the example of the solar plexus chakra, you would want to listen to the 528 hertz frequency, and by doing so, it can assist in the healing of this chakra. I find this so freaking cool because it's a way of actually literally tuning into the frequency of the feeling we want to cultivate. And there are tons of these tracks available on YouTube, Spotify, Insight Timer. I will make sure to link to one of them in the show notes. And you can listen while you're trying to fall asleep in bed or while you're meditating or doing yoga or going for a walk. And it just sort of seeps into your subconscious and helps you unblock the solar plexus chakra and bring the energy flow necessary to build that self-trust. And you can find these for all the different chakras. So if you're curious, just Google and, you know, let's say you really want to open your heart. Well, there's one for heart opening as well, because that is one of the chakras. Before we wrap up, I want to leave you with one other story that is also from my time at Sivana. One day while I was there, I was sitting in the cafe and I came across a girl who was wearing a backpack from a hotel that I had visited in Portugal. And I mentioned to her that this was a particularly memorable trip for us because we had actually brought our five-month-old son, at the time he was five months, on the trip and due to jet lag he basically did not sleep the entire time we were at that hotel and she commented on how big of a lifestyle change it must have been for us to have a baby and she was asking me about it and I gave her reassurance that while it's definitely different it's fun and and of course I I wouldn't have it any other way. She made a comment about how she'd like to have kids, but she was 40 and didn't think it would be possible. But she mentioned that she has a godson and she actually comes to this resort, Savannah, once a year with him. And I remember thinking, wow, what a cool thing that she has such a wonderful relationship that she travels with her godson once a year. But I could also hear in her voice that she had a lot of sort of self-doubt about motherhood and her ability to step into that role as a mother. And that was just from a really short interaction in the cafe. A couple of days later, I was actually in a class with her and there was a journaling exercise where we were supposed to write a letter to ourselves using the prompt, I love you because. And the idea was to fill in the blank with adjectives that we don't typically assign to ourselves. These are attributes that we maybe don't believe we actually possess, but we want to possess. And so the idea is that you turn it into an affirmation And you say, you choose just one of the attributes and you would say, I am blank. And her word that she chose was nurturing. And I could see how she was struggling with the prospect of motherhood because she didn't think of herself as nurturing. And... You know, from my perspective, she seemed very capable, especially given the relationship she had cultivated with her godson. And that this narrative that she had adopted for herself that she wasn't nurturing was really just a narrative. And, you know, it just got me thinking about how we are so critical of ourselves. And if we just trust ourselves, we will see that the self-critic in us is just resistance, resistance that we can overcome. Just like the girl from the cold therapy who didn't think that she was good at sitting in discomfort, but then when she did it, she realized she actually was very good at it. 
And so this was a little bit of a full circle moment for me back to where I had started right before the trip. And I really came home feeling very energized to trust myself, to be nurturing and connect with my kids, to manage my stress response, to exercise self-control, all of these things that I think I often fall into the trap of self-doubt and instead coming out of this experience at Savannah where I got to really take space for myself and time to reflect, I, I really emerged with such a different mindset about myself and that I not only can trust myself, but I also have the tools to continue to develop that trust in myself. And those are the tools that I shared with you today. So I hope that all of you will take a moment to really reflect. And the next time you find yourself in a place of self-doubt, do these exercises Take these steps to shift out of that emotion and to the frequency of self-trust. And I promise that if you do that, you will see such a change in your life because you will, just like the Einstein quote says, you will be able to attract all that you desire simply by vibrating at that higher frequency. I'm going to leave you with that today and thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would please rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening, whether that's on Spotify or Apple. And please also subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And I am sending you love and light. See you next time.